Hello, I'm Stephanie Cook, and you're listening to the What's Your Story podcast. Each episode, my co-host Hannah Conway and I engage in conversations with real women talking about real faith and a real God. By sharing one story at a time, we hope to build a community where you feel welcome, hear honesty, and recognize that we're all stronger when we build each other up. We're so glad you're here. One of our favorite things about hosting the What's Your Story podcast is when we get to make new friends. And today's episode with Stephanie Burnett, co-pastor of LifePoint Church, is certainly no exception to that. She and I bonded within moments over the Tennessee Volunteers, and the more we talked, she, Hannah, and I all realized how much we have in common. We've even got plans to have coffee dates together in the near future. We wanted to release this episode today, even though we did record it a few weeks ago, because today marks the 10-year anniversary of Mike and Stephanie in Clarksville and at LifePoint Church. So we hope if you already know Stephanie that you'll enjoy your time with her again, and if not, we know you're going to love her as much as we did. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of What's Your Story with Stephanie Burnett. All right. Welcome back to Podcast Recording Day, Hannah Conway. Yes, it's so good to be here, girl. I went on a picnic today with my daughter, Willa, and it was precious and super sweet. And then the rain came in. (laughs) Did it? And it ruined the picnic? It did. It did. But it was so sweet to hear her little, you know, her chit chats. And she had packed her snacks and... I love those mom moments, like when life gets crazy and insane. I just think, oh my gosh, my little girl is nine and we're on a picnic together and she's going to be an adult one day. So I'm just going to yes. cherish this time. And you're like, yes, this is true. Or worse, or worse yet, she's going to be a teenager no. and she's going to be like, picnic? What? No. No, no mom. I know. It's, it's funny because she asked, she's like, can we go on a picnic? And I thought, I have so many other things that I really want to do or need to do. And I thought, you know what? No, we're, we're going on a picnic. You know, I'm off today. We're going on a picnic. So a little jealous because my baby mm. on the other hand is leaving every morning at eight and working eight to six at a real job now. I can't believe it. (laughs) No, I can't either. She's so grown up. Oh, she's so grown up. It makes my heart sad. Oh my gosh. But it's good to be here with you. And it's a, it's a great day. It's a good week. Our, our community is starting to kind of open up a little bit and the, the lines, I just the traffic is insane well I know I tried to get you to go on a Starbucks <laughs> run for me and that that was an epic fail oh my gosh there were 10 cars in front of me and they were not moving I'm like why like, what are you ordering that it's taking this long like seriously people right. so I think everyone had the same idea of hey if you, I'll order if you pick it up and then it it didn't work stuff so the line was like going okay. past Arby's it was not okay uh, yeah. it's it's fine <laughs> It's whatever. We owe, like, I owe you a Starbucks. Yeah, no. I'm pretty sure I still probably owe you several. So, anyway, but we are so excited today. We are. Because we, I reached out to Stephanie Burnett, who is the co-pastor of LifePoint, which is one of the greatest churches in our community. Mm-hmm. And I've just enjoyed seeing the way that they're you yes, know, reaching out the during the, oh, yeah, so mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in just a second. But anyway, and she graciously accepted to come on. That's and so super we're glad awesome. to have her. So Stephanie, take it away, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself. And thanks for we'll, joining us. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you both for having me on here. I feel like it's such an honor that you reached out to me. I just an honor to spend this time with you ladies. So uh, both Stephanie and Hannah, thanks for the time um, today as well. Um, yeah. So we've been here in Clarksville for, it'll be 10 years, what? Really? Summer, which I can't believe, oh my but anyhow, goodness. um, yeah. So just a little bit about my family. Um, Mike and I will have been married 18 years this summer and we Aww. have four girls, Aww. which, uh, their ages are 13, 11, let's see, eight, my seven year old just turned eight and then five. And let's just say the youngest runs the family. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So quick question. Um, how many, how many bathrooms do you guys have? That's the real question. So so how many bathrooms are in the Burnett house? And are you going to be able to stay in this home? That's that's the real question. That's a very fair question. Well, the upstairs, the house that we actually moved to a couple years ago had an upstairs. And my hope was that it would like have a hub where they could all hang out and each have a, not, not each have their own room, but, um, have a bathroom where it was like just a shared space for just them so anyways I love that it's always a disaster yeah but anyways they have their space good (laughs) women women need that space we do and and we will come and build you a bathroom if you need it (laughs) yeah so four girls that that is is great so where where where's your hometown where are you originally from 
Yeah, so um, I'm actually from Ohio, Dayton, oh, Ohio area. Yeah. In fact, all my family still live there. And when I was 18, I moved and went to the University of Tennessee. Oh, so go Vols! Ohio. That sounds bad, like I got out of there. But um, <laughs> anyways, I love my family, and I was very torn. I almost went to a school in my hometown, but I was like, okay, I'm going to go to UT and try it. And um, most people don't know this, but um, my degrees, I have a couple degrees from UT, and they're in music, so they're in piano. Um, So I went on a scholarship there, and that's why I went there, because of the scholarship offer. And uh, anyways, it was for piano performance was my undergrad, and then I ended up staying and going on for piano pedagogy, which pedagogy just means the art of teaching. So anyhow, so spent six years down there, but I'm actually from Ohio, and all my family's still there, and... um, I thought, you know, one day I would probably move back, but lo and behold, in the music department, I met um, this really handsome, tall baritone. Oh. So, uh, Mike was a voice major, <laughs> and so that's where we met, was in the music building at the uh, University of Tennessee. So, I did not know that, so also a Tennessee alumni, and my daughter just graduated from Tennessee, <laughs> so I'm the biggest <laughs> UT fan in the world, so... Had, had no idea, but go balls. But I did I did admire your Tennessee sweatshirt last night when you guys did your Instagram live and was like, love the shirt. Oh, Thank my you. Goodness. Hey, ball for life. For real. Look, yes. No matter what the football team is looking like, up, down, left, right, we are, I'm still a fan. A fan. Faithful, faithful. Forever and ever. I do love that about, you know, you you Vol fans. Yes. And Hannah's a Kentucky fan, but. I'm a Kentucky girl living in a Tennessee world and it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> Look, I always give people a pass. If you're from the state or went to the school there, that's fine. That's right. But none of these, like, jumping on the bandwagon, no. Right. No, no. Yeah. That, that is frustrating to me. You don't get to cheer for Kentucky during basketball season that's just correct. because they're good. Exactly. No. No. That's right. Like, you bleed blue when you are yes. from Kentucky. And, and although we do have the Cardinal fans, and I just ignore those. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, the truth be told, so I went there for a music scholarship, but I love sports. Like, I, I love sports. Playing, watching. Anyways, at the time, they had the largest football stadium in the country. They kind of have gone back and forth with other schools. It was like back and forth with Michigan. And I was like, how could I not go to this school? And they had just won the national championship in football in 98. And I was coming in in 99. And I was like, this is where I need to be. Yes. So I felt, I, I, I prayed about it, of course, but I didn't <laughs> feel the leading of the Holy Spirit with the sports. I was like, oh, Lord. Girl, <laughs> true story. So as a sophomore in high school, my boyfriend's family at the time were UT grads, and I got to go to my first football game. And I was the same way. I'm like, I don't know that I even want to go to college, but whatever I do, it will be here. <laughs> and so I may or may not have even hidden scholarships from my parents because <laughs> there was no other option. So I, I get it. I get it. There's, Stephanie Cook. There's nothing like, and I don't, we, so our, our episode that aired on Sunday was with Rachel Levingood and her son Riley just graduated from there. He played football for five years. So he was the long oh. snapper. And she talked about the chills running through the tea. And I'm like, I, I don't have a child on that field and tear up. Like my family makes so much fun of me because Rocky Top brings a tear to my eye. Right. There's nothing like it. It's an electric feeling being there in person. Oh my goodness. Which, but you know we'll what see what this fall brings. Oh. oh it's I know. funny. Growing up in Kentucky, you know, it's all it's all about, you know, Kentucky Wildcats, but and football was never really a big thing. But I remember learning I mean, I've always loved Dolly Parton, but I remember learning the Rocky Top song in Kentucky. And now I feel like, why did they teach me that? I don't <laughs> I feel I like that, they shouldn't have done that. So I, feel I like know Mike and Stephanie work. probably know the harmonies and like they, <laughs> they, they know they the real sing deal. it. Yeah, <laughs> we need to be at your house when we're singing it. I mean. That's a true story. My husband actually, um, I think it was his senior year, was asked to sing the alma mater at the football games, like down on the field, like, like the pregame show and everything. Yes, so, we I, have so much fun. I could sing along. Yeah. Oh, okay, we're goodness. way far we off are. track. We you are should not have even... opened the UT door for oh, me my because why did we start? It's just too easy for me to walk right through it. So, so let's talk. Let's talk about. Let's talk about faith. Let's talk about Jesus. How <laughs> UT football and Jesus. I mean, coffee, Dolly Parton. Let's just throw in some other. Right. Ones. So how how did you meet Jesus? What's been your faith journey? Yeah. So I was. I'm always said. You know, I've been really thankful that I grew up in a family of believers and you know ever since I was little you know we were in church every Sunday so this was just a very normal thing for my family and so I would say when I was probably five or six you know I 
prayed what we call the sinner's prayer. But, you know, the longer I've been a believer, it's not just that one moment of decision. It is a constant following of Jesus. You know, as you grow older into middle school and high school, learning to make those decisions like, am I really going to do this? I know I grew up in this, but am I going to like, is this going to be my own thing too? Like, am I really taking this on? And and so I would say probably my senior year in high school is when I started to make some more serious decisions for the Lord. I just saw, you know, so many friends at school, because I've been in public, was in public school my whole life, going one direction and going, I just, I'm not going to do that. And uh, I, I just, I really want to live for the Lord. In fact, I would say probably that same year is when I felt probably a stirring towards ministry. Hmm. Didn't know what that was going to look like because I never wanted to be a preacher. Right. You know, I'm like, well, how, how can I be in ministry? And I just knew um, if I could sum it up, I knew that I wanted to see people come to know Jesus. I wanted to see people get saved. And it was like this passion just burning in my heart, but I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know what it would look like. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about how do we get from UT to Jesus? <laughs> but for me, it was all connected because my senior year, I'm going, Lord, where should I go to school? I probably need to go to a Christian college, you know, all these things. And the more I searched and just sought God, the more it was, I, I had always studied piano and I thought, well, I got this scholarship offer. I'm like, God, this has nothing to do with ministry. How, how's this going to work? You know, and <clears throat> I just felt like I needed to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and go to UT. I felt a real peace about going there. And that all the things that, that like the dreams and the plans and the things I thought one day I would love to see happen, he was going to make that happen. I didn't need to force anything to happen. I just needed to follow the next step. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a verse in Proverbs that says that we plan our course, but <laughs> yep. God directs our steps. And we so as much as I knew, like, okay, I love sports, I love music, um, I love ministry. Those are big picture things, but God's asking me today to follow him. So that's where, when you talk about faith, like, I think that's how the journey has been for me every day. I don't know where it's all headed. I still don't know. You know, Mike and I still go, how is all this happening? You know, the journey here at our church and being here 10 years, which is crazy, but I just... It's a daily, God, what are you asking me to do today? Because what matters today is what I need to be doing. Right. So when I took that step to go to UT, I never thought how it was going to get connected to ministry. And I'm telling you, ladies, that school was ranked number one party school that year because of football, <laughs> you know, the national championship, all this stuff. It was just wild. And I knew I just did not want to be a part of it. Um, I love people. People weren't the problem. It's just the choices and things they were doing. I just saw, I was like, uh, this isn't for me. And so I just stayed really focused on my, my schoolwork and practicing every day. That's what you do as a piano major. You live in the practice room <laughs> and never thought I'd meet a spirit filled man on that campus. I just wasn't looking because I felt like they were all ungodly. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, long story short, um, I ended up meeting Mike and I just thought this can't be like, how could there be someone that is serious about God on this campus in the midst of the crazy here? And so it took me some time, but we, we eventually started dating. I just wanted to see, I was sharing a story last night with um, a friend of ours that was in town about how we met. And I said, Mike was very upfront. Like, I would like to date you. I would like to date you. And I very much held my cards close because you would hear all this rhetoric, how people said, oh, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. But then their lives, there's just a real big disconnect of where I see that the walk isn't the talk. Mm-hmm. And so if I was going to date somebody and invest my emotional self in somebody, I just needed to see. So anyways, I held my cards close for a while and he hated every second of it. But anyways, <laughs> after some time, we finally got our, our ducks in a row. And um, so we ended up dating for a year and then engaged uh, for seven months. And then we got married in between my junior and senior year in college. Oh, wow. And so from the time of being married, um, Mike has a whole story as well about how he got into ministry, but, um, he had started as our choir director. Cause remember he was music mm-hmm. and then our, our pastor, this is in Knoxville. So would you like to be the youth pastor? And which was a big, a much bigger step. Choir director was, you know, leading one song a week, which was awesome. He loved it. But youth ministry took on a whole new meaning. We would both be involved, and we just felt a, a huge piece about it. And that's kind of where our, our, our ministry journey started there in Knoxville. And I was still a student in undergrad, you know, leading right. these youth students with my husband, my brand new husband. So oh. we were almost in ministry before we were ever in married. Before we were ever married, he was um, on staff at a church. So it's kind of been our whole journey, our, our whole marriage together. That's wow. beautiful. Yeah. So how did you how did you get to Clarksville? Like when when did this happen? And and the background behind LifePoint. 
Yeah. So we were in Knoxville for um, a total, I was there for a total of six years, Mike seven, because he was a year ahead of me. And after I finished my master's, he said, I'm thinking about going to seminary. I love being a youth pastor, but I don't have any training. Right. Uh, whatever I'm reading in my Bible is what I'm sharing, which isn't a bad thing, but he felt like he wanted to go deeper. So anyways, he looked at going the, to the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary in Springfield, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And so we took the plunge and we loved what we were doing in Knoxville. We hated to leave and we hated to leave our students in our church, but we felt like this is where God was leading us. So we moved there and I was more than ready to work because I had just been in school for six years. So I taught piano and I accompanied students at the universities and gigged anywhere I could to put food on the table. <laughs> and I said, you go to seminary, knock it out. It's a 96 hour master's degree. So it was gigantic. Yes. And, it, and uh, that was, then we had two babies out there. So <laughs> it, um, it was an interesting journey, but I really, I, I see God's hand in us learning in so many ways how to trust him along the way. And we had to work our tail off to just to make the ends meet and to we're Dave Ramsey people. So we love living debt free and we're trying to pay this degree off as we go. And so anyways, God was so faithful um, along that whole journey. But eventually after being in Springfield for five years, um, he said, I would really love to be a lead pastor. And uh, so we kind of wanted to move back to Tennessee where Mike's family's from East Tennessee. My family's from Ohio. So he had called and said, are there any open churches uh, with the denomination that we're affiliated with? Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, yeah, there was a couple. And so anyways, long story short, there was a church open in Clarksville. We said, well, tell us about it. And so they kind of shared the story. And actually it was the church um, was very, very broken and hurt um, when we came and took it. It was a five-year-old church plant. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really struggling. They were down to people some Sundays in the 20s um, oh, wow. in attendance. And, um, but they had before that they were in the three hundreds. So we mm-hmm. knew that God was doing something. God had a purpose here, but they had just been through some hurt and brokenness. And, um, Mike and I thought we've never done this before. My motto was, I think this can only get better. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you anyhow, go. That's a great motto. Ago, 10 years ago this spring, um, we told the kids we're moving to, well, they were only three and one at the time. But uh, we're moving to Tennessee and uh, have had no idea what was in store. We just knew that we were excited about the city. We learned about the demographics of Clarksville, as you all know, so much military presence here and just fell in love with it, just fell in love with what God could be doing and wanted to do in the city. And so even when we came to this property, which is where I'm recording this right now, they told us within the next five years, there would be thousands of brand new homes being built around this camp church you know this church building and we're like really I mean we want to be right in the middle of where people are I'm like okay so things are just lining up and we knew God God was in it and and the financial piece of it like the church was in such financial despair any of our friends that we told about this they're like you guys must be crazy why are you going to take this on all this millions in debt you know 20 people in the building just not a good idea but we couldn't explain it God had given us a peace we were willing to risk it and just go for it. Wow. That's awesome. That is, that, that is an amazing story. So did your passion for the military community happen once you guys got to Clarksville or did you already kind of have that? Or I, I know I've heard, I, I believe that I've heard you guys talk about that. That was a heart that you had was that military community. I really think that started in Springfield, Missouri, before mm-hmm. we moved here. Um, I don't know how or what did that in me, but I do remember um, I just always felt burdened to pray for our military. Um, and I know this might sound silly, but I had put a reminder on my phone every Friday night at eight o'clock. I said, pray for the military and it would ding me, you know, no matter where I was, if we were out, if we were home, if we were with our kids. And I just take a few minutes, nothing fancy. I mean, it literally is like, God, thank you for our military. Bless all the branches. Be with the soldiers who are deployed and their spouses and amen. You know, but it was just, there was something in me. And I didn't know at that time that we would be moving to Clarksville. And now with our city and community and church being about 60-ish percent military, um, I don't know, maybe the Lord was prepping us for that. But here's part of why I feel so passionate is that I think military wives are amazing human beings. Mm-hmm. They are. I, they're what I call my heroes. I think when I'm having a bad day or I'm complaining because Mike's getting home from the office late, you know, or even when I had little kids and, you know, I was pregnant, I remember he was traveling quite a bit. You know, he was in Israel for the 10 days and he went to India and he's in Germany and he's all these places, which were amazing opportunities. I had to really, <clears throat> if I'm honest, 
felt like I was battling resentment a little bit. Here I am at home with these kids. Yeah. Here I am chasing toddlers, you know, trying to nurse a baby, trying to get dinner on the table, all this, all these things. And I knew like the opportunities he were given, he was given were, were awesome. You know, it was for missions and being aware of what's going on outside of the U S around the world and opportunities that we have to impact other ministries and, and, and people. But at the same time, I was at home getting a little frustrated and the Lord just really dealt with my heart when we moved to Clarksville, like, listen, <clears throat> and it's not to be little that I was home alone, but at the same time, I think perspective is key because you see other wives that are doing this for nine months. They're doing this for 12 months, no R&R. They, they don't get a break, you know, where dad comes home. <clears throat> and I really, I just thought, you know, I... I want to love these families. I want to pray for these wives. I just think I know that their husbands out there serving is, is amazing, but the strength I think a lot of times of the soldier comes from the wife back home and the stability. And I know like these families, they are put to the test. I mean, emotionally, uh, mentally, physically, financially, I mean, they're, they're put to the test. And so I just, I think they're a gift to our military and essentially a gift to our, our country. And so I've just always said, um, I love getting the opportunity to serve and minister and pray for our military families here because really they're the ones who are serving us. So it's this cool little cycle that I see happening that, um, I just I feel like I want to be available and encourage them. You know, I don't know that I can bring them all meals and do all those things, but I can pray for them. I'm always like, call me if you need prayer, you know, whatever you're going through. I want to hear about it, and I want to encourage you in the things of God because that's where I think so many times we need to have a strength about our faith to help us get through the tough times. Yeah, absolutely. So Hannah's an ex-military wife, so her husband's okay. a retired military. And yes. we've even talked about through, you know, COVID-19, all of the inconveniences that some of us have experienced, how that is nothing new for those folks. <laughs> no. You know, they didn't, no. they never know when their husband's coming home, when he's not coming home, where half the time where he even is, you know. Mm -hmm. And so just some of those things that we have just felt so strong about and things getting canceled and you know not being able to have this or that you know those are things that our military families are that's that's it is. just, it's just very the course normal. it's very normal and to be uh, to be a military wife and to hear you say that really just I kind of teared up a little bit just thank you that means so much to me and for my friends that are you know still in the military and um still still living that life it it is tough and there is this strength it's it's um I can be in a room with military wives and we don't even have to talk about it. We just know. And one thing that I have loved about the military wives um, is that they have your back. You may not like each other or you may not like some of them, but they're going to take care of you and they're going to take care of each other. And I have loved seeing that sense of community um, amongst the military families. It really adds this new element for me, for my faith to know there, there is a strength in faith, just like there is the strength in the military life. And so it has it's helped me to see what faith should look like in my life. It should be strong and resilient. And um, I know. So thank you. I, I appreciate well, you sharing that. Lisa Bevere, she uh, mentioned that I think in the civilian world, we can take some cues from those in the military, like you're talking about mm -hmm. being available. That's what the church should be. All yes. About. Yes. Like, my neighbor's having a hard day taking her, you know, brownies. Not that, you know, right. she needs them, but you know, we just, it's like being available to serve and love and care for. And you guys have that down and you understand what that means. And yeah. so thank you for what uh, you guys have done and how you've served and been a part of that journey. Oh, thanks. That's, I could just hug you. <laughs> if only a Zoom we hug. in quarantine. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So you mentioned Lisa Bevere, who you were able to just do your Flourish event, which is your women, big women's um, event that you do each year online. And so mm -hmm. it changed a little bit this year. But I want to talk about Flourish, like when that started and, and kind of where that vision came from. And um, I was able to attend last year live and in person, and I attended this year virtually and always yes. enjoy that so much. Um, so just tell us a little bit about, about that if you don't care. Okay, well, I'm going to be kind of honest about this one. So <laughs> not that I haven't been honest before. That sounded terrible. <laughs> You're going to be real honest. <laughs> so uh, Lisa, speaking of Lisa, she struck a chord with me when she was talking about leading women. And she says, I don't even like women. <laughs> and I was like, you can take that a number of ways. 
I grew up with a brother, mm-hmm. and he was always hanging out with friends, and the guys were always at our house. I loved sports. Like, I just, there was something about me hanging with guys that I just clicked with more than women, only because, like, this drama, this nature, this, um, you know, drama, and these things that come up that seem chatty to me, like, catty. I don't know what the word is. Chatty, catty. Yeah, catty, yes. All of it. <laughs> yeah, I just, it never, it was hard for me. And even when we were youth pastors, I remember saying to Mike, I cannot understand the girls were trying to pastor because I don't understand the drama I'm trying so hard <laughs> but I don't get into it I don't I, the right. whole gossip and conversation and not all women are like that please hear my heart right right but overall I just tell myself like I don't know that I do tea parties I don't I don't see myself I guess I was trying to put myself as a pastor's wife in a box like what I saw growing up right so, and um, what I've learned and I know we've all heard this, but as a, as a woman in ministries, especially pastors, wife, you have to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I just knew coming to Clarksville, I was probably not going to be the women's ministry director or those. Types. I just felt like I didn't fit in the box and I didn't know what the box was, but I just, I don't know. Maybe I was bucking the system and having a hard time. I'm like, I love our whole church, guys, girls, women, mom, dad, kids. I love everybody. So I don't know that I necessarily felt a call specifically to our, the women of our church, But um, I know that Mike wanted a men's conference, a women's conference, and a marriage conference. Mm. And so um, some of our former pastors on staff, um, his wife, uh, she was very passionate about doing a women's conference and said, I'll take it on. And I said, glory to God. (laughs) (laughs) You run with it and I will support you. So that's actually how Flourish happened. Um, and at the time, this was probably three or four years ago, I guess. I mean, I still had a one-year-old at home and I, I had four kids I'm chasing. So I was not up in the office. I was home and that's where I, I really wanted to give my attention. So she's actually the one that birthed Flourish with the teams here. And mm-hmm. that's, uh, they come up with the name and the whole idea of the event. And then as they've stepped on, I even had a little argument with God over it because I felt like I was saying, you need to step up. And I was like, I, I, I don't know. Nope. And uh, you know how Moses gave God all these excuses? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I stutter and I don't, you know, um, have all these issues. And I just felt like God finally said, would you get over yourself and just do it for the women of your church? Ouch. This isn't even about you. Right. Okay, God, you win. Yes. Like, how do you argue with that, right? I can relate so much to that because I've I've always felt called to women's ministry too. But then the the what am I, what do I want to call them? The touches that appeal to women and right. flourish is full of those things. Like you know the beautiful things in the bathroom and the coffee bars and the elaborate displays and like that is not me. Like right. I, I, I'm like you know I I can't decorate. I can't make things pretty. I don't care about those things. I'm like you know let me teach a Bible study all day long. Like right. let me sit down and chat with women. I am all about that. But you know I. I I can so relate to what you're talking about because I have struggled with that my whole entire life because it's like all that frilly extra. I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> like, let's like, just dive yeah. into the word. I mean, yes. <laughs> but, but I recognize, like, I enjoy that. I like, I, you know, I, I recognize it when I see mm-hmm. it. I'm just not able to produce it. So, so yeah. So what I've had to do is put teams of women around me who have an eye for that stuff. And two, there are women that enjoy that stuff, and it is right. important. And I'll be the first to admit, when I see it, I go, oh, that's nice. But I wouldn't have thought to put it there. Right. right. So I have to surround myself with team members. Like, we, we do merchandise. We sell that. You know, we have all these, like you're saying, little frilly things around. But um, I can't do it. I just say, you guys see it, and they'll say, what do you think about this and this? And I go, you know what I'm going to say. I don't know. You guys decide. <laughs> right. But as far as content, you know, this the speakers, those are the things that, um, I've been able to speak into and decide making those decisions. So I really, it's been a journey and I never thought I'd be up there leading this, hosting this. And I think God has a sense of humor, the way he (laughs) operates, just like Lisa said, she has four boys. She's doing this whole, you know, ministry with her husband. And yet she speaks to probably more women, you know, than we could ever have imagined. So I think God knows what he's doing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, goodness. So LifePoint, LifePoint was named the fastest growing church in America. Is that correct? But All right. And um, by Outreach Magazine. Yeah, which is, which is cool. So what are some of the challenges that you faced growing that quickly? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, we opened the building that we're in now, we opened three years ago, which was in 17. And 
um, previously, uh, we were in the 2000s in attendance before we opened that building. And the weekend that we opened, we jumped in the 3000s. So we grew a thousand in one weekend. Oh my goodness. That's part of where that stat comes from, why we were ranked number one in the country as far as growth because of the open opening of our building I can't explain it like people just came to see it the thing was we thought it would spike and go back down you know like oh we saw the building great you know like my parents were here like good job yeah way to go (laughs) but people stayed I can't explain it I don't understand it and we're like I literally um you know as the spiritual mama or however you put this title, I guess, I felt like as the mother hen of our church, my (laughs) arms just got bigger. I know you can't see my arms, but just imagine like they're just growing and God just gave us a thousand more people to steward and to love well. And I go, God, if you will give it to us, we will do what we can to care for them and provide for their needs and put them in small groups and do all the things so that they can be discipled and grow. Mm. And so when you talk about doing that, that's where some of the challenges come is how do we do that? And it does have to become systemic because you have to have, be organized. You have to have, um, lanes and, um, you know, organizational charts to make this stuff happen. And we, um, do not get it right all the time and are still tweaking today. I mean, just even this week, we've been having conversations with our staff about gaps that we've noticed that have been glaring right now because of COVID that we've just missed. And we're like, okay, with this discipleship piece or this, you know, um, experience that we've been trying to encourage, like, what are the things that we need to focus on? And so our biggest prayer and, and Jesus, this is what he commissioned the church to do. He said, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's our, that's like the number one command of the church. And we are the church. We don't need a building even. Right. Buildings are nice. They're great. We're excited about gathering again on a Sunday. But we're the church and we're fully alive and we're here to minister and bless people. And so <clears throat> anyhow, some of those challenges, I think, with the fast growth were how are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. And two how do you grow a staff? Because what happens was, is when you have fast growth in attendance, giving is always behind mm-hmm. and it's six months to a year behind. Wow. So if someone starts going to a new church, they are, it's kind of like they check it out before they want to give. And I think if you're going somewhere, put your, you know, tithe, support the people that are, that are um, spiritually um, investing in you every single week, but I know that's not the norm. Most people, it takes a while. So that those are some of the challenges. You can't just hire a staff to care for four or 3000 people, right? You have to develop that and grow that. And that's what takes time. And that's, that's where a lot of our challenges have been, but we're always tweaking and saying, how can we do this better? You know, how can we love these people better and care for them? Well, I would say just from my experience and one, I, I think both of you are in, incredibly humble people and I appreciate that so much. I've Every time I've heard either of you speak, you know, it's very clear to me that you guys understand where the growth comes from, that that God allows you to be a vessel, and I admire that so much. Um, but I do feel like you guys do everything with excellence, too. Yes. Um, I, you know, I, I think that that's important. So is that an intentional kind of thing? Do you, Would you say, well, we've just been blessed and kind of got lucky? Or do you all set out to, um, you know, to have excellent excellence in the way that you minister to folks? I've heard it said that excellence is the language of the 21st century. Mm. Doesn't have to be fancy, doesn't have to be expensive, but it should be excellent. And so I think whatever organization you're leading, whatever book you're writing, whatever podcast, whoever's listening to this, whatever you're working on, it doesn't have to, you don't have to do everything, but what you are doing, do it well and do it to the best of your ability and think through the lens. One thing we do here at LifePoint, we always think through the lens of a first timer. Mm-hmm. If you are a guest walking in these doors, it's like being in your house every day. You don't think about the stuff that's sitting around on the shelves and the, right now in my kitchen, I've got piles of mail and stuff. I, I keep going, <laughs> I'm going to go through this. I haven't yet, <laughs> but I'll tell you when I'm going to go through it. I'm going to go through that mail pile when I know that my, um, my friend is coming over. That's right. <laughs> right. Because all of a sudden I look at that mail pile and go, what are they going to think about that? Mm-hmm. It dawns on me. And so I think in the church world, sometimes we get complacent or comfortable like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always, you know, that dust bunny has just always been over there. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. If you're having guests in your house, you would want to, you know, be presentable and show your place as best you can. So I think that's an ethic here at LifePoint that we are, um, I mean, I can't even think of dozens and dozens of new families every weekend when we were here in the building. And um, we're just always thinking through their thought process. 
like, of course, everything's super clean and the bathrooms and wiped down in between. Like we have people wiping down sinks after every single service. Just this is all pre-COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to we want people to feel like at, at their home, they want it clean or in a hotel room. You want it clean or at a restaurant. So it should be no different with church. Right. Yeah, I love that. That's a great answer. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. OK, so how have y'all you, you talked about COVID even before, you know, COVID, you guys were clean. And how have you navigated COVID now? And, and what do you look forward to the first Sunday back? OK, so I don't know if you mean personally or like with church. Maybe both. <laughs> Well, I don't know if um, y'all have heard our story at all, but um, there's a long one to it. So I'll just give you the brief version. But uh, Mike was actually uh, had COVID and tested positive. I did not know that. I did not know that. So our journey is probably a little different. Um, Wow. Anyhow, so with that being the case, we didn't know he had it. Uh, We knew he was in the room with somebody that had it uh, at a meeting that he was in. Uh, This is March. And once we got that phone call, they said, you've got to quarantine for 14 days. So down the basement, he went and, uh, it was, it was an interesting couple of weeks with our family. You know, I'm just upstairs running the ship and making the food and trying to work still. And now we're homeschooling again Uh and I'm still making him food, but he can't be present in the house with the girls, you know, can't touch us. You know, we're, we're at a distance. So that was, um, I think a memory as far as our family is concerned, we'll never forget for the rest of our lives. Was he able to recover? Was he able to recover at home? He goes, he never had to be hospitalized or. Okay. okay. So he, his symptoms, he, he didn't have any till the very end. He lost smell and taste. Mm. Wow. And the whole time he was asking to get tested, but because it was so early on, they didn't have very many tests where we live here in Montgomery County. So they wouldn't test him because he didn't have a fever. So by the end, when he said, I have no smell, no taste, they said, okay, come in. We're testing for that. So it comes back positive and they, and they asked him to quarantine for 14 more days after that. We were like, Oh my goodness. So (laughs) anyways, he told him he had been down there with no fever. So, uh, they, they made him stay a couple more days and then we were all clear. But even as a family, just to be safe, we stayed in the house for 14 days just in case, you know, anything came of it. So personally, that's, that's been a journey, but, um, I, I think I just, even church wise, I think that I've shared you know, I felt like the church has never closed. We've been on mission this whole time. It's just looked different. Right. The mission stays the same, but the vision can change. Like how we do it, the systems can change. So now we're making care calls. We're reaching out to people. Uh, you know, I think Mike, it was a gift in the basement. He got to do so. I think he worked probably 14 hours a day down there. Right. Just calling, <laughs> checking in, creating system systems, you know, being with our staff, giving direction. I mean, there were just so much that was happening. And um, at the same time, it felt like with me, with the girls, there was a pause in our life and our schedule, which I know so many people have experienced. And I've been really, really grateful for it. I've loved the time with our girls. I've heard this phrase stuck home with the kids. I don't agree with that phrase. I think what a blessing. And if we feel like we're stuck home with them, there's probably things we need to work on. Mm. I could just be kind of blunt. Right. And we will be the first one to admit we've had some things to work on getting along, being kind with our words and our tone. Right. It's been a big deal in our home. You know, it's easy to just get snippy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I just think it's been a, a huge blessing to our family personally to have this time to really work on some of the things in our family that just needed attention. We were just so busy. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, so. we hear that from just so many people. That's just what we hear over and over. I was too busy. I was too busy. And it's like, God heard that and was like, you know what you are, all of you, all of you, let's take a break. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm thankful for every moment with my kids. I'll never turn down time with my kids. Mm -hmm. And my oldest is going into high school this year. And I, I can't even believe it. And I I just think, what? we only have four years left with her. You know, like this isn't, you know, so I want to cherish every moment I get. Right. I'm reading John Eldridge and get your life back. Um, who he was, you know, the author of Wild at Heart, and right. his wife Stacy wrote a book. And it, anyway, he's authored lots of things. I say all that to say one of the points that he makes is he talks about in Scripture. Every time we read something that says the next day Jesus went to, you know, we think the next day like he hopped in his car and you know went to Nashville at I twenty four, and he's like every one of those the next day passages 
usually mean a long period of travel where they were walking and talking and spending time together and that, you know, we don't experience that in our world anymore. Just the pause and the, you know, and, and he talks a lot about the relationships, how our relationships aren't as deep as they really could be because, and even in our homes, I think you're exactly right, because we don't spend time together. You know, the sitting down together to have a meal is a luxury instead of something that we do on a regular basis. And so I've experienced that a lot, just um, deepen, deepening relationships with folks because I feel like I have the time to stop, sit, listen, right. like, and things that, that we were beginning to kind of lose sight of. And so I just, I love that illustration about those journeys in scripture. Yeah. And we, we may have had a, a number of four square tournaments, uh, in our driveway. <laughs> the competitiveness. <laughs> oh. I'm telling you, our girls have been on their bikes. They played yeah. on a swing outside. I mean, the swing in our neighborhood that no one ever touched since we lived in that neighborhood. And now they're on it every day. I just, those are the things that I've cherished. Yeah. I really enjoyed Love it. It is. That's good. That's good stuff. Okay, so we, we've talked we've talked about a lot of things, <laughs> but um, with women's ministry, let's kind of go go back there. What are some of the greatest difficulties that you see women of faith having, and how can we, um, how can we do ministry to better meet those needs? Well, that's a great question. I think um, that you know our identity has seemingly been stripped down, maybe because we're. Now we're thinking, well, I'm work from home or I'm homeschooling our kids or I'm still working from home or I'm still having to go to work if you work in the, uh, as an essential worker or whatever you're doing. And, and so I think there's a, you're, there's feelings of lack or a void, um, such as, well, when everything opens up, then we'll be fine. Like I'll be good then. And, and, and trying to scramble for who we think we are. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an identity, um, problem that we need to get to the bottom of. And I think that that therein lies the problem. The things, these things actually aren't our identity. Being home with our kids, being uh, working in a hospital or at a grocery store or, um, you know, cleaning or having a cleaning business, whatever it is, that's actually not our identity. And so I think we're having to make a choice right now. Like, am I, do I find my worth in the things that I think I do and all my coming and going and even running our kids around to sports or or what, whatever we find ourselves doing, but that is all of, gives us a false sense of identity. And I think that um, as we've experienced so many changes, we need to recognize that our true identity is in Christ. And until we get that part figured out, we're going to keep searching and searching and searching. So as women, and I think men are actually wired the same way. They tend to put identity in what they do mm-hmm. as a job and their work. And so women, we can fall into the same trap. So I just want to remind women that we our identity must be found in Christ. Mm-hmm. And now as, as titles and whatever we were doing is kind of melted away right now, the most important things have risen to the top. And that's our relationship with God. And that's our relationship with others. Yeah. So those are some of the things that I think we probably need to just be reminded of. Um, our worth is in Christ. It's not in anything this world says or title we've been given. None of those things. I think that's so true. Even when, you know, even when we say, tell us about yourself, right. You know, all of us go to, well, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a this, I do this, you know, that kind of thing. And so you're absolutely right about that. We do definitely find um, security and identity in those titles that we wear. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Absolutely. So is there any other things that are on your heart? Any other things you guys, well, we were just talking before we hopped on about who knows what's coming up, right? Yeah. (laughs) Do you guys have a game plan at this point? But what, what, what's life point thinking? Or can you yeah. even tell us? Is that, <laughs> is that a, in the basement conversation right now? No, we're, we're um, I mean, I think Tennessee, today's Thursday. I think here we're about to get some more announcements about things being lifted. It is hard to navigate because um, information has changed so rapidly. But um, the first thing that will open will be we have prayer on Tuesdays here in the building. And so we'll open that up um, and, and, since COVID we've started streaming that and that's something we'll add, we'll keep, you know, we'll keep doing that as well. Um, and then after that, it will be our small groups that'll open back up. Mm-hmm. So probably in the next couple, couple weeks, if your if your group feels comfortable, you know, you guys can meet up. Um, we're not requiring that everybody do that. It's just, if you want to, you can. Okay. So, and I think some groups will stay on zoom. I've even heard like moms with little ones saying zoom is so much easier. Right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So you don't have to load them up in the car and get anywhere. You just hop on and there you are. There you have it. Exactly. So, um, and then as far as re-meeting again, I mean, we'd love 
to love for June-ish to be a timeline, Mm -hmm. but everything is still very tentative. So um, we'll think we're taking one day at a time, one week at a time. So. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want to throw a curveball at you because I didn't give you this question ahead of time, but can you just share two or three of the things? Um, you guys did a series of several days in a row where you did things in the community. Um, and it, it was just, it was so touching to watch some of the ideas. So can you just share a few of those things and tell us kind of where those ideas came from? Yeah. Um, so we did a campaign at our church called hashtag LPC spread hope. So LPC is just Life Point Church, Spread Hope. And so we just wanted to encourage the people in our church to find creative ways to serve our community. So each day of the week had an emphasis, like take out Tuesdays, support small local business. Um, like Fridays was pray, drive in your vehicle and pray over, you know, a school or um, an organization or small business or a hospital. Um, and we even, like with my life group, we just met it up. Instead of Zooming one day, we went and met at a nursing home here in town, and we just parked away from each other and stood outside away from each other, and we prayed, and some of the residents were able to come out on the patio. They were, like, on the third floor, and it was so touching. I think it blessed us more than these sweet ladies up there, and and, uh, we just sang Amazing Grace as loud as we could, you know, in the parking lot and just prayed over them, and it was so touching. And so anyways, we just said anyone who's serving – why don't you use that hashtag and post a picture? And some days it was as simple as how can I pray for you on Saturdays? It was fast, um, fast, a meal or fast, a food, something that you could do to, to, um, reprioritize your prayer life. And, um, and I will tell you a couple Saturdays ago, um, we fasted, uh, dinner. And if you ever are making food for other people when you're fasting, it's always uh. a little, it's hard. It's hard, but the kids have to eat and we don't make them fast or anything like that. Probably just sugar. We make them fast junk. But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, I just thought, oh, I want to eat. And I was feeling a little like complaining about the whole thing inside. Didn't say it out loud. But anyways, I just, whenever I fast, I go, it's always worth it. We don't know what God's doing in the spiritual realm. Mm. So I'm just going to give this to you. And so within the next couple days, it's kind of weird, but I've gotten a few like crisis calls from families our church friends that are just stuff have has popped up in marriages families you know there's a lot of that going on right now Mm -hmm. and I thought you know I don't think it's coincidence that as we fast and pray and ask God to meet the needs of the people around us that problems it might seem like problems are an issue but problems are a gift because when they arise now that we see that something's going on that I believe can be the the beginning point of where a family can begin healing Right, right. And work through these problems. And so I was just reflecting on that personally as I as I was fasting and feeling like it wasn't going to make a difference. Who cared? And then I got that phone call in the next couple of days, a couple of them from different places going, Lord, I'm going to credit you with this because you're so good. And my friends, they need help. They've reached out. They're going through it. And we're going to step in and help them every way we can, you know, supporting them. And um, so this campaign, this 21 Days of Hope, um, it was just a fun way. And even kids could get engaged with it. Um, We did, even in our house, we probably wrote 50 letters to people. Um, We tried to hit some of our older folks in our church and (laughs) and just let them know we're praying for them and thinking about them. Um, Dozens and dozens and dozens of phone calls to people. So it's just been a huge blessing. I I hope that people of our city um, have felt the love and the care and the concern and that, um, we have so much to offer as the church. This is not the time to take a break. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we always do here at life point one day in the summer, what we call serve day. And those are strategic things we've planned out. Like we're going to repaint a school, you know, cafeteria, or we're going to, you know, clean loaves and fishes or what, you know, do like a big project and all hands on deck. And those are fun. Cause you get everybody on one day. Like we've had hundreds of people show up to serve in our city. Um, on this day, but our motto now is every day serve day. Right. There's right. there's nothing we can't do. We can get out and we can love, um, love people in a way that they will feel it. We may not physically be able to be near them, right. but um, we can let them know that we're thinking about them and that Jesus is thinking about them. Well, and I love that so much because I'm not, you know, I don't attend Life Point. I attend an, another congregation, but but seeing you guys and what you were doing obviously prompted in my spirit, wow, okay, what are some things I can do in my community? So right. it's, it's not even that, you know, you, you have to be a part of your congregation or any body of believers necessarily to do those things and to serve in those 
you know, seemingly simple ways. And so I just, I appreciated so much you all sharing it because it did really prompt me to think about, okay, I may not be able to leave my house, but I'm in a neighborhood. What can I do for my neighbors next door? Or like mm-hmm. you said, who can I call? What, who can I write to? Or any of those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I, I loved seeing that and, and I love, love what you guys do for the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else we need to, we need to talk about other than our last question? All right. Okay. Well, we've got one last question for you because we ask everybody this and because our podcast is called what's your story. We would like to know what is your favorite story? Is it a personal story, a fairy tale, a movie, a book, Bible story could be anything. Okay. Well, mine's probably not a traditional answer. (laughs) (laughs) So I probably always like a story of redemption. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to share like big theme. So, um, I like a story probably about a soldier that survived, won the battle, <laughs> maybe a little Jack Bauer, Jack Ryan, <laughs> where there's something that seems insurmountable and there's the lone ranger, you know, who saves the day. And we all kind of love that story. But in the end, those stories are so powerful because they rescue and repair what was broken so that there can be peace again. And truly that's the story of our savior. Absolutely. He alone is the one who came to repair what was broken so that we can have connection and relationship and have peace again with not only in our personal lives, but also with our savior. So those are, those are the stories while I, I know, um, it's not probably your typical chick, chick flicks. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we've gotten lots of different answers and I love that answer. You're absolutely right. That, yeah. But I love a good story of redemption. And, and at the end of the day, it comes back to, um, redemption of our, our savior who did it all for us with us in mind and um, forever then we can have that same peace that he's always wanted for us absolutely that's awesome thank you so much for being here with us it's been it's just been great chatting with you and getting to know you and and hearing hearing your story yes. it's awesome we always say and I mean it I mean it in this situation too like when this is all lifted we'd love to have coffee and sit yes. down and, and get to meet face to face and and hang out again sometime. Well, so thank you both of you for again hosting this and for what you're doing and how you're encouraging women and and those out there who are are con- continuing to pursue their calling to reach others and um, bless others. So yeah. thank you very much. I love it was that. our pleasure. Definitely. Well, thank you, and you have a great day. Isn't she just fun? I just love being around her and her heart for Jesus and her heart for people are just infectious. I just look forward to getting to spend more time with her in the future. If you didn't get a chance, we hope that you'll go back and check out our bonus episode that we dropped on Friday featuring Kenny King and William Marshall, who are co-pastors of Grace Bible Fellowship in Sykeston, Missouri. Their story of how a black pastor and a white pastor joined congregations and during such a time as as this, has so much wisdom and so much insight for all of us. So we hope that you'll check that out. We also hope that if you're not following our Instagram page, that you'll jump on Instagram and follow whatsyourstory.podcast there. Hannah and I are trying to do some giveaways. We want you to have some behind the scenes information. We really want that to be a community of listeners and followers. So we hope that you'll check that out if you haven't already. As always, we hope that you'll rate and review the What's Your Story podcast. Let us know if you're enjoying what you're hearing um, and give us information about what topics and and guests that you would like to have in the future. We have some great things coming up in the next few weeks, and we can't wait to share those with you. As always, thank you for listening to What's Your Story and have a great rest of your day.